Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I've never heard my kids call me a statesman. You know, <laughs> they call me a lot of other things. Um, anyway, it's great to be here with you in Romsey uh, this morning. I don't know whether it's a good or bad thing, but these lights are great. Uh, but it means I can't see all of your faces. So uh, I'll need to know you're with me. Uh, and so either smile so I can see your teeth uh, or say amen or something, you know, uh, so that uh, we get along well together. Um, I've been around for a long time as... Uh, Sim said, it's actually 50 years this year since I uh, left home to, to uh, go to Bible college to, be, to get involved in ministry, and I've been in church leadership ever since. Uh, just last August, we had a reunion of a number of us that uh, met together 50 years ago, and we're all still active and working and serving the Lord in different places and in different ways. And I have never been more excited or more expectant uh, than I am today, believing for God to come by his Holy Spirit and do a work among us. If ever we needed a move of the Holy Spirit, it's right now. If ever we needed God to break in, not just to, to church and to our lives, but into the, uh, to the future of the nation, it's right now. Uh, we need God to supernaturally come and do his work uh, among us. I'm involved with a ministry called School of Ministries. We teach and train leaders all over the world. Uh, last February, some of our guys were in Ghana. They're in a place called Wa, uh, which is in northern Ghana. I mean, why call it, you know, by a longer name when two letters will do? Uh, and Wa is right on the northern border of, uh, of Ghana, uh, and there is a band of, uh, of Muslim activity and people that live up there, um, and it's the gateway into the Western African Muslim nations. And so although Ghana is mainly Christian, right at the northern border there, there's this band of uh, and regions where uh, Muslim peoples live. And in recent days, there has been a move of the Holy Spirit, and a number of churches have been planted, and God is working and moving uh, in that area. Uh, and so our guys went up to do some teaching and training and were quite surprised by the, the, the measure of work that was going on and the way that the work was happening. There weren't great crusades taking place with tents. It was actually lunchtime prayer meetings that were creating this environment for growth. People were coming for prayer at lunchtime uh, to churches, being healed, being touched by God, receiving prophetic words, having an encounter uh, with the supernatural and being transformed by the power of God. Uh, and churches were being formed. And there was this one guy who uh, was well known in all the villages because uh, at birth his, his legs had been damaged and he'd never been able to walk. And he'd gone from village to village begging 
uh, and he was known right throughout that region and he went to one of the prayer meetings and got totally and completely healed. Uh, they bought him a, a push bike uh, and he rode from village to village singing hymns of praise to God and declaring the greatness of God and many, many people were coming to the Lord. The power of God being demonstrated, the gifts of the Spirit being manifested, breaking people open and situations open uh, to all that God is doing. And, and we've heard so many stories from Africa and, uh, and Asia of all that God is doing. But uh, last year I was in Sedgley. Who's ever heard of Sedgley? Uh, it's in the West Midlands near Wolverhampton. And on the Sunday morning while I was there, uh, a lady gave a testimony uh, and she spoke of her recent experiences. She said four years ago she'd had uh, uh, cancer of the tongue uh, and she'd had a severe operation uh, that had caused uh, part of her tongue to be cut away and she'd lost all feeling in her tongue uh, and not only that but she'd lost the ability, the capacity to swallow. Um, and so for four years she'd been fed uh, through a tube uh, and uh, she was really struggling and so she'd gone to the doctor, to a local GP and said, Doctor, I, I really can't cope, I'm really struggling. Is there anything you can do for me? And the doctor said, there is nothing else I can do for you. Why don't you try a spiritual answer? Try church. And so two weeks before I'd been to this place, she walked into this church in Sedgley and a lady had befriended her and she'd come for two Sundays and then I was there for this Holy Spirit weekend and so she'd asked if she could come to that and so there in the first session, uh, she's there. Um, I didn't know who she was but she was sat over on this side um, and as I began to speak about the Holy Spirit, um, she turned to the lady next to her and said, I want to give my life to Jesus. Nothing to do with my preaching at all. In fact, uh, nothing at all to do with me, uh, but just to do with uh, her being in the presence of God. Uh, and uh, so while I'm speaking, this is going on over here, and I can see tears and things happening. It was quite disconcerting, actually. But, uh, uh, but she committed her life to Jesus. The lady who prayed with her, who'd befriended her, said, I've never heard anybody pray such a passionate prayer of inviting Jesus into their lives. And, and so in the first session, she gives her life to Jesus. In the, uh, at the end of my ministry, I invited a young guy who was with, the, with me to come and bring words of knowledge. And uh, he got up and, of course, what did he say? He said, there's someone here who's had a, a cancer of the tongue and uh, uh, God wants to heal you today uh, um, and I'll pray for you, uh, and, uh, amongst other words. And so while uh, we drank coffee over in this corner he was praying for people over here and as as we're drinking coffee suddenly we hear this lady's voice she's in her early 60s and she says I can feel my tongue I can feel my tongue and then about 10 seconds later and I can swallow I can swallow and the young guy said to her uh, what would you like to eat now I would have suggested porridge or something like that but he said uh, oh <laughs> I was going to say, it's very unusual for my wife to be a, uh, on her knees before me. Thank you, my darling. Yeah, that's what happens when you get older. You can't even do your shoelaces up properly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have suggested porridge, but uh, she said, oh, I haven't had an apple for four years. 
And she ate an apple, ate the whole thing. And here she is the next morning testifying to what God has done in her. By the way, in the afternoon she was filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues at the top of her voice. So she came in the morning, gets saved, healed and uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says, I came in like this. And she said, I went out like that. I feel so alive, she said. And... uh, the next weekend, five of her family, she's from a large dysfunctional family, five of her family made first-time commitments to serve Jesus. Why do I make a point of telling that story and feel? Because I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that word of knowledge that opened her up to healing, that release of a gift of healing into her body or a miracle, whichever it was. The importance of that in her walk with God and in her journey. And I believe that God wants to come afresh and anew and release something new of the power of his Holy Spirit among us. That's why I've written books. I would like to sell them uh, and I'd love you to buy them. Um, But it is because of the message that I've written them. I've written a book on the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Pentecost now, because I believe God wants to release his Holy Spirit among us. Pentecost expressed. This is a look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit because I believe that God wants us to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants to do a work among us so that all of us are living in anticipation and expectation of him moving among us uh, at this time. As I said, um, I've reached a milestone in my life. In October, I became a Septuagenarian. Wow. There's a few of us in here, I can see that. Yeah. Means I hit 70. But I'm living, and, and on my 70th birthday, I released that second book. That's why I mention it. Because I'm living in expectation of a new release of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why this church exists? It exists because it had a passion to see the Holy Spirit active, alive, working and moving and the gifts of the Spirit being demonstrated and there wasn't an expression in this area. And so this, you came into being for this very reason. This is one of the major truths that we felt God wanted to release into uh, our nation, into the church that was missing. We didn't just sort of start the church because we felt like it. We carried a passion and a vision. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit were a major part of that vision uh, that, that set us into being, set us on our journey. And here we are, 40 years on or so. And I believe God wants to remind us of the importance of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's not about meetings either you know it's not about waiting till we've worshipped for 30 minutes and hopefully somebody getting a little bit inspired and coming and bringing a word that's not what I'm talking about this morning I'm talking about a church of people filled with the Holy Spirit with a passion to see God work who are all moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit not waiting for Sunday morning to come but out there every day in our lives expecting God to give us prophetic words, expecting God to give us words of knowledge in our business places, to give us, uh, to give us the courage to pray for 
sick people that are all around us, to give us uh, uh, faith to believe him for supernatural events to occur out there in the marketplace in our everyday life. You say, oh, well, that's all right for you. You're a leader. But when I read my Bible, I find that uh, it's very clear that God has planned Uh, that every single one of us here who are his children and who love him him and are filled with his spirit should be exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Each one. It doesn't say there to leaders or the really keen people or if you've been around for five years, it says to... Each one. And do you know what each one in the Greek means? Each one. Exactly right. Every single one of us should be exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as if that's not enough, Paul goes on to express it. It says, To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of knowledge. To another... Uh, wisdom to another to another to another Uh, and so there's this release uh, across the body of Christ across the church of different individuals moving and uh, and experiencing different gifts and then in verse 11 he says uh, he brings this paragraph to a conclusion he says one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. You know, there's no get out for you here. There's no excuse here. He keeps on about it. He's emphasising to each one is given. And then to one and another and another and another. To each one individually. Ah. So here's the question. This last week, which gift of the Spirit have you exercised? Since we were together, or you were together last Sunday, which gift of the Spirit have you moved in? Have you been used by God in healing or in releasing a prophetic word? Have you, have you uh, discerned by the Spirit something that was, uh, uh, was demonic? Have, uh, 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 have you brought a prophetic word? Because it says to each one. God wants to release these gifts to each one. He wants to reveal himself to each one. One of us, and there's a challenge in this for us. We're charismatic, aren't we? Are you a charismatic church or or what? Yeah, anybody here part of a charismatic church? Well, the word charismatic comes from this word gifts here, from this word charismata, grace gifts. It's a beautiful word. It's a a word made up of two words. It's called a composite word. It's charis, grace, and gifts. These are grace gifts. You see, there's no excuses for us. You can't say, oh, well, I don't know enough. I, uh, I haven't read the Bible enough. I haven't attended a discipling course. I haven't been to a how to prophesy course. It's nothing to do with it. It's the, these are unearned, undeserved blessings that come from God that he wants to release through you and me to the world in which we live. And he wants this one to move in prophecy and that one Uh, to lay hands on sick people and this one to release uh, a word of knowledge and that one to release a word of wisdom. 
to each one individually. Do you know, that word manifestation is a very, very fascinating word. Um, I'll give you a little bit of Greek now, if that's all right with you. Um, the Greek word that's used there is, is the Greek word phanerosis. I was corrected recently by a Greek lady, and she tells me that uh, the actual pronunciation is phanerosis, okay? So whether it's phanerosis or phanerosis, you've all experienced this. It's a very fascinating word, and uh, you've seen uh, a phanerosis in the last week. Even you've seen one. Yeah, every single one of you has seen a phanerosis. Because the word describes what happens when in a cloudy sky, the clouds break and the sun shines through. That's the word that's described there. It means a shining forth or a breaking out or a breaking through, and it particularly describes uh, a phenomenon that we've all seen, and it's happened, it happened yesterday, I saw it yesterday. There was a cloudy grey sky. Suddenly the clouds broke, and the sun shone through. And that's the word that's used to describe the gifts of the Spirit. That's what they are. They're a shining forth of God. They're a display of the grace, the love, the mercy, the kindness, the power of God. A little bit of God breaks through into our humanity. A little bit of heaven is released on earth when the gifts of the Holy Spirit come. A little bit of his wisdom, a little bit of his knowledge, a little bit of his power, a little release of his love. God wants to take hold of me and you. And through you and me, he wants to release a little bit of himself. Ah, the gifts of the Holy Spirit being released through you and through me. That's the purpose of God for each one. He wants every single one of us to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people talk about, um, uh, about oh, I'm not seeking the gifts, I'm seeking the giver. And it sounds incredibly spiritual. <laughs> it may, it, it's meant to make you feel superior, I think. Uh, but it's not actually biblical. So don't say it again if you're one of those people. Who says, oh, I'm seeking the giver, not the gifts. Because as I read my Bible, it's very clear to me in the New Testament that there was a tremendous encouragement for them to seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul, three times, in 1 Corinthians 12, 39, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, and in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, he says these words, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. That means be passionate in your seeking of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Three times. I mean, it's enough to say it twice, but three times. I remember as a parent, it just comes to me. I say to my kids, right, after three, you do that, or after three, you'll know it. One, two, three. It was something about three times. And it's in the mouth of two or three witnesses that the truth's established. And three times Paul is saying to us here, earnestly desire the best gifts. 
And he puts it into a context. He doesn't say, don't seek the giver, seek the gifts. He says, seek the giver and the gifts. I'm not suggesting that you don't seek a closer, more intimate, deeper, more wonderful personal relationship with the Lord. He says, follow love and earnestly desire. Yes, follow love. Pursue love, he says. So go for God. Go for a deeper relationship with God. Seek God with all your heart and mind. You can give me a dozen scriptures that encourage you to do that. But the scripture doesn't only say seek the, uh, the giver. It says seek the gifts as well. Pursue them. And in Acts chapter 4, it's fascinating when the early church are, are threatened uh, and told not to speak anymore about Jesus. And they, be, they come together and they pray. And they pray in Acts chapter 4 and, uh, and they declare the glory of God and they, uh, they, they, they remind the Lord of the threatenings. They say, behold, Lord, their threatenings. And then, and then they pray this prayer. Lord, grant us boldness that we might proclaim your name with signs and wonders. Their passionate seeking of God was for a release of the supernatural to come upon them and be released through them. And it says the place where they prayed was shaken. So God owned their prayer. So he's looking for a people who are passionate and longing to see him work and move through them in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I did a little uh, examination of the, uh, of the life of Jesus. I looked at the examples of Jesus, in his, particularly in his evangelistic kind of ministry to, uh, in the Gospel of John. You know, I discovered that almost every conversation Jesus had, there's this mark of the supernatural. There's words of wisdom, there's words of knowledge, there's miracles. So in John 1, we find Andrew bringing uh, Nathaniel to Jesus. And as Nathaniel comes towards Jesus, Jesus stops him in his tracks and he says, Ah, he says, you're a good, clean man. You've got a right heart and a right attitude. And uh, he actually says, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Uh, and Nathaniel stops in his tracks. He says, how do you know that? He said, well, because before you came here, I saw you under the juniper tree. What? The response of, uh, uh, of Nathaniel is, sir, I perceive you are the Messiah. Wasn't a great evangelistic discussion. It wasn't an argument. It was a display of the knowledge of God that broke him wide open. In in John chapter 2, you've got the story of the marriage uh, in Cana. Jesus is a guest at a wedding. The first miracle didn't happen in an evangelistic crusade, in a meeting after they'd sung worship for 40 minutes and uh, and done all the right things and read a passage from the Bible and had a testimony and a solo, uh, uh, whatever. The first miracle happened in a wedding when they were all drinking wine together and they ran out of wine, they drank so much. This extraordinary miracle takes place, and Jesus turns the water from the dirty pots, or the dirty water that was used for washing people's feet, he used that water, turned it into into glorious, refreshing, effervescent wine, and the, the, the master of the feast says, well, why have you saved the best wine till last? Jesus does this first of miracle, it says, in Cana of Galilee, and it says his disciples believed on him there. The miracle brought that sense of faith, confident trust 
It was the miracle that did it. The release of the gifts of the Spirit. John chapter 3, the story of Nicodemus. Wonderful story. Uh, uh, Nicodemus, a ruler of, uh, of the Jews, comes to Jesus by night. And many of you know the story. And, and Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, I know that you are, or we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no man could do these miracles except God be with him. Now that's a statement, all right? Nicodemus comes, makes a statement. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no man could do these miracles except God be with him. And then it says this, and Jesus answered him. But he never asked a question. And when Jesus answered him, the answer he gave was absolutely nothing to do with the statement that Nicodemus made. Because the answer Jesus gave was this. It said, and Jesus answered him, you must be born again. What on earth has that got to do with a statement of declaration about who Jesus is? And it wasn't a question anyway. Why? Well, Jesus was in touch with the Father. He's walking in relationship with God. And he gets a word of knowledge. The real question that Nicodemus is asking is, how can God become real to me? And so he says, you must be born again. We would save a lot of time, you know. We were walking in tune with the Spirit, if we were open to the possibility that God could use us with the gifts of the Spirit. Most of us have such trouble witnessing and talking. And one of the reasons we don't is because people ask us questions that get us all tongue-tied. We need to be walking with God, living uh, in the Spirit, listening for the voice of the Spirit. I remember being with a friend of mine, talking to a university student uh, um, and witnessing to them. And of course, we got into creation and he was a science student. Uh, He was studying to be a a scientist and my mate and I got into this conversation about whether creation was seven days or whatever and uh, and we're getting into all this stuff. And he's using arguments and I don't understand what he's talking about. He's using words and talking about black holes and whatever and I haven't got a clue what he's on about and I'm trying to witness to him about Jesus and we're standing there. I had to go with him and then my friend had to go with him and we're getting absolutely nowhere. And and then I stepped back and... And I said, God, give me a word for this guy. And I feel God just dropped a a sentence into my heart. Tell him I'll be his friend. So in the middle of all this discussion about black holes and stars and how many there are and how many galaxies and whether there's aliens and whether the Martians are real and all this kind of stuff, I just stopped him and just said, excuse me a minute. I said, do you know Jesus wants to be your friend? I thought, I thought he was going to sort of... He stopped, he looked at me and tears started running down his face. He said, I haven't got a friend in the world. And in two minutes we led him to Jesus. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that's going to be the case every time or every time we go out, whatever. But what I am saying is that I believe God wants to use us. I believe the way Jesus witnessed to people. See, you've got John chapter 4 following John chapter 3, and who's Jesus meeting there? Well, the woman at the well. And what happens with her? Well, he has this prophetic insight. They enter into a theological argument about whether to worship God on the mountains in Samaria or, or Jerusalem. And this, this woman just wanting to have this kind of 
theological discussion and saying, what, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, we have nothing to do with one another. All that kind of stuff is going backwards and forwards and then Jesus breaks through it all. Why? Uh, how? With revelation. In the middle of their conversation, he suddenly, he suddenly turns to her and says, go and tell your husband. She said, I haven't got a husband. He said, you're right. The bloke you're living with now is not your husband and you've had five before him. You'd have thought that she'd have sloshed him or whatever, but she doesn't. She stopped in her tracks. And she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And suddenly she's opened up. Opened up to receive from Jesus. She goes back into the town. She's walked out in shame. And she goes back into the town. She's come out in shame because of the life she's living. She goes back into the town and say, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. He's exposed me totally. But his love has, uh, uh, has touched me and changed me and transformed me. The gift of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 5, the guy at the pool of Bethesda who's instantly healed. John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. Just everywhere you go with Jesus, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation. Huh. And you say, oh, well, that's Jesus, yes. But he said, listen, the works that I do, these shall you do, and even greater works than these shall you do. And so when we get to the book of Acts, it starts happening again. And I haven't got time to tell you about the book of Acts. But right from the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I'll just, I'll just stick with Acts chapter 2. Right there in Acts chapter 2, there's this demonstration of the supernatural as, as unlearned, ignorant fishermen. They've never had a French lesson or a German lesson or an Italian lesson in their lives and they're speaking fluently in at least 14 different languages of the people that are represented in the crowd. And the people are astounded, amazed, perplexed and astonished. Four times, four different adjectives. Are they, are they adjectives? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to describe their reaction to, to this phenomena. Uh, this supernatural event, and they're opened up as they hear them speaking the wonderful works of God, and Peter is able to share with them about Jesus. And 3,000 people respond to the, the, the teaching and preaching of the gospel. Do we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yes, yes, yes again. Does God want to use you? Yes, yes, yes again. Does God want to use me? Yes, yes, yes again. I spoke to somebody the other week and they said to me, oh well, if God wants to use me, he can. So I looked at them and I said, well, he never will then. So he said, how dare you say that? I said, well, the scripture says, earnestly pursue. Huh. Those who move in the gifts of the Spirit are those who make themselves available, those who earnestly pursue, not those who passively sit back and say, oh, well, God can use me if he wants to. It's about us actually pressing in and saying, God, I want you to use me. God, I want you to take hold of me. God, I want you this week. God, forgive me for not pressing in. Forgive me for not being passionate. Some of you have been around a few years, the grey hairs and, and the no hairs in the gathering here. Huh. How long is it since you said, God, will you use me in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? 
Some of you have not been around that long. How long is it? That we would passionately long to see God work and move. That's why I've written the books, because I passionately long to see a breaking out of the Holy Spirit, God moving powerfully, not, not just in our meetings on Sunday, but in, 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 the, in the town, in the region, in the city, in, in, in the council offices. Huh. God doing extraordinary, marvellous things among us. And it won't happen unless you long for it. Won't happen unless, unless you want it. Huh. Do you know, I'm, I, I was very impressed with the worship this morning. Yeah, I mean, you've got your own kind of modern version of Susie Quattro, haven't you? You know, all she needs is a leather jacket, you know, and she's there with all the movements and whatever. And I watched that and I was impressed with the passion. I don't know if she modelled herself on Susie Quattro, but... Uh, it's got all the movement. But it's the passion I'm impressed with, you know. And, uh, her name's Hannah, I understand. That means God's gift. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you know that. God's gift. She's God's gift to you here in Romsey. God's centre. I, I want to tell you, God is going to use you in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because you have such a passion and longing for him. Uh, and, and there's so many of these kids you're trying to reach, and you can't get through to them. You, you've tried, and you, you, know, you try and win arguments, you have these discussions, uh, uh, and you end up sometimes just fried, because you think, well, what can I say? I want to tell you, be open to God, because God's going to give you words of knowledge, words of wisdom. He's going to give you insight and revelation. You're going to see God uh, break young people's lives open. Why? Because you have a passionate desire for God and you're longing after him. He's going to use you powerfully. Yeah. Where's Emmanuel? I met Emmanuel, one of the first people I met this morning. Emmanuel. What a name. God with us. I want to tell you, God's with you, Emmanuel. And he's not just with you this morning, he's going to be with you tomorrow morning and all through the next week and the next weeks and months. He's never going to leave you. And if you will open your life to him, you're going to experience a fresh new touch of the Holy Spirit upon your life. God's going to start using you in the gifts of the Spirit. God's going to start speaking through you. Listen for his voice. Make yourself available. You know, first thing in the morning in, 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 your, in your devotions, make it part of your your prayer. God, I'm open to you today. Speak to me. Speak through me. It's not rocket science, you know. You know, one of my daughters, my middle daughter, she was, uh, she was 13 at the time and uh, she was walking to school with her mate and uh, trying to witness to her mate about Jesus and her mate's doing, um, this is Essex, so we're back into the vernacular, you know. Uh, the way they talk in Essex, that is, you know. And she's, she, her mate's saying to her, how do you know that God speaks to you? How do you know that God is real? So my daughter says to her, because God speaks to me. What do you mean God speaks to you? Well, he tells me things. What do you mean he tells you things? Well, he, he speaks. Like what? So now she's on, on the spot, 13 years of age. And she looks across the road and she sees another girl and she says, well, things like that girl across the road's got a headache. 
So this girl goes over the road, says to her, hey, my mate said you've got a headache. She said, how she know that? She said, because she said God told her. <laughs> Both those girls went to the youth meeting on Friday and got saved the next Friday. 13-year-old, that's not rocket science. That's simply being open and available to God to speak. He wants to do that. Oh, yeah, oh God, just bless this man with a fresh release of the, uh, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Father, move through this man in a new way. God, I pray that uh, 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 you will cause him to lead the people into a new release of an outbreak of the miraculous intervention of supernatural life in this place. Freedom will come. Thank you for Lottie. Father, in Jesus' name, we're believing you. God, she was born in this stuff. Lord, it's, it, it comes from her heritage, her history, God. The gift of the Holy Spirit, God, right back there in her, in her family. Now, Lord, we pray for a re new release of powerful prophetic life to flow through Lottie in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this place that you will come with a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. Can we stand up? And, uh, and I'd like to just pray a blessing over you. Pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, that uh, a fresh new passion for God will arise in you, that some of you have got really casual about the gifts of the Spirit, some of you who have not moved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you look back, oh yeah, I went to a Bible week in 19, blah, 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 uh, and we had a, uh, and I, I moved in the, prof, in the prophetic, and I brought a word, and God used me here and there, uh, how long ago was that? Uh, what about this week? What about next week? That we'd open ourselves to God. Don't wait till next Sunday morning to bring a prophetic word. Dare to believe that in, in costas, God could bring a word to you about the guy on the next table. And politely you could go and share a word and see them just open up. I want to tell you there are desperate, lonely, hurting, wounded people who are struggling, who are desperate and need to hear from God. And God wants to shine forth through you. He wants you to be his phanerosis. And that manifestation of the Spirit to come through you. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.